Dowd Higgins, host of Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena with wisdom to help you thrive. This podcast provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And today, I am delighted to welcome my very special guest to the show, Courtney Guerra. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. It's uh, wonderful to get to talk to you. Oh, I'm really excited to dive into a wonderful conversation. Let me tell our global listening audience all about you. Courtney Guerra has been writing her Dear Business Lady column since 2014, first on The Toast and now on the financial advice site of The Billfold, starting out with experience in food service, retail, and data entry, plus a joint BA in English and visual arts. She proceeded to build her resume through a series of administrative roles, both corporate and nonprofit, and she spent much of her career as a writer and editor, supporting humanities research at the University of Chicago. But today, we're going to be talking about her brand new book called Is This Working? The Business Lady's Guide to Getting What You Want from Your Career. Courtney, love, love, love the book. It's hot off the press. Tell me first about the Dear Business Lady column and how that all got started, because it seems like that was the root of this book. Um, yeah, so it's it still sort of uh, blows my mind that it took off the way it did. Um, I was a really avid reader of The Toast, which uh, closed up shop last June, but it was a really wonderful blog with a very distinctive, funny, smart voice. And I, um, I basically found myself with some extra time on my hands because I had started working part-time after doing a full-time job. And I thought, Um, It would be a really fun, productive hobby to start offering work advice to others. And I felt like the Toast readers had a similar sensibility to my own. So I pitched the column and they picked it up and I started getting all these letters from readers almost immediately. So um, it's been going monthly ever since uh, June 2014. I think the first one ran. Amazing. And I do love the tone. It's it's fun. It's sharp. It's savvy. You've got a lot of spunk. It's really good stuff. Thank you. Now, what about the book, though? Because the book, Is This Working?, really seems to have evolved from this extraordinary column. So, yeah, I, you know, when I started thinking about how to do a book, I wanted it to be all original material. And so for that, I just thought through all of the things that I had learned from experience throughout my career and things that I had maybe would have benefited from knowing earlier in my life. And uh, the table of contents sort of reflects that. It sort of takes you through the full life cycle of uh, your first job. Um, and then you can kind of start back at the beginning if you're if you're moving on to a new position. So um, I, I basically ghost wrote the questions, sort of drawing on the type of things that I would get asked by readers on the toast and on the billfold, and then use those to sort of prompt myself to write through you know, the beginning is a little bit more procedural and practical. And then as it gets going, it's a little bit more... I'm not sure philosophical is quite the right term, but I try to really kind of show my work as I'm explaining things. So it's not just a list of rules, but more um, here's here's the type of reaction you're going to get if you do this. Or if you want to achieve this outcome, here's some steps you might consider taking to push you in that direction. Well, and I'll tell you, as a career coach, I really appreciate that perspective because it's not just nuts and bolts. And part of being successful in the job hunt or career management, you know, maybe you have a great role, but you're trying to 
navigate that career field is knowing how well you play in the respective circles in your career. And I think you give some wonderful insight about perception and marketing and communication and how we land with different audiences. Yeah, I think a lot of it really comes from my background as an editor. Um, in my in my day job, I work with faculty members who are applying for funding. So I'm constantly editing these uh, proposals that are written by very smart people about things that they're very close to. And, you know, sometimes you're just correcting a typo, like there are certain actual rules. But a lot of times, you know, editorial work is a lot more subjective. And you really just need to be a mirror reflecting back to the person, you know, here's what I'm getting from what you're doing. If that's what you wanted, great. If not, maybe make some adjustments. And that's the sort of perspective I brought into the book is that it's kind of a style guide for developing a professional persona. Well done. I agree. You know what's really interesting? I think this book has a very broad audience, certainly new professionals that are just getting into the workforce after university. But the reality of the new normal of the job market is people are continuously looking for work, sometimes by choice, other times by necessity with mergers and acquisitions. So I think it has a real multi-generational grip. Was that your intention, writing the book? Yeah, I really wanted it to be, you know, useful for, you know, obviously I have a certain kind of woman-focused perspective, but I wanted it to be, you know, useful to men, to people at every stage of their career. Um, really, you know, that if you could pick it up and flip through it and find some problem that you're having and, you know, learn some interesting ways or useful ways of navigating it, regardless of how long you've been in the workforce, that was really my intention. So let's go granular a bit, because I know many of our listening audience members around the globe are starting a job hunt, you know, whether they're mid-level careerists or they're brand new professionals. So what steps do you advise others to take before actually starting that job hunt? I mean, I think it's good to think about why you want to leave your job if you're currently employed or if you're getting back into the workforce or starting out from the beginning, what what you want from a job. Obviously, you need to support yourself. That's always really close to the top of the list. But, you know, think about what type of schedule works best for you, what type of work-life balance you're hoping to achieve, uh, what skills you have and what skills you're most interested in using, because that's not always going to directly overlap. There might be things you're good at, but you don't enjoy doing them at all. Um, and... Um, and then as you, you know, as you develop that list, you can start kind of passively, passively searching, you know, looking at, looking at job boards, looking at lists of positions, looking at organizations that you might be interested in being part of and seeing if they have any positions open that align with what it is that you're capable of doing. Yeah, I love hearing that because so often people look at the job title and the salary and they don't really think about all the other factors uh, related to the position. And you were talking about values, you know, what's important to us. And I agree, you have to do that work before you start applying. So Courtney, next question, you know, we've got to customize resume, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles to whatever opportunity we're seeking. But it's hard. Sometimes we have multiple personalities because we're looking for different things. So how do you sell yourself through that targeted uh, material, resume, cover letter, without selling yourself out? Well, I think, you know, I think that it's important in your in a cover letter especially to give a little bit of personality. I mean, you need to keep the tone professional and polished and you can't, you know, go into too much information, but I think that's really an opportunity for you to 
you know, start making the type of personal connection with the hiring manager that, you know, if you ever do get hired, will end up being the basis of your working relationship with your new boss. Um, Resumes are a little bit more general. You know, they just need to be like very clear, very concise, uh, give a really strong and broad overview of everything you're capable of. You absolutely should tailor them so that the stuff that's the most relevant to the particular position you're applying for is foregrounded. Uh, You can always leave things off if it seems completely irrelevant or maybe even potentially harmful if it's so far afield from what the position you're gunning for. But I find it's useful to have a kind of master file resume that's maybe a little bit longer and more unwieldy than anything you'd actually submit. So then you can just subtract and um, whittle down for any new position if um, if you don't already have a resume ready to go that that's a good match. Um, but then the cover letters where you kind of go beyond that and tell, you know, tell a more personal story about who you are as an employee and the type of skills, um, both, you know, kind of softer and more nuanced, um, in addition to your practical qualifications that you'd be bringing to that organization. Excellent advice. You know, I, I loved reading through some of your business lady columns to get to know you better and understand your voice. And I found it really, really telling. You're so wise about helping people navigate those interpersonal relationships. And sometimes we call it emotional intelligence because that can be a real trick, especially in a new work environment, how to navigate those very important relationships. What are your thoughts there? Um, I think that that is something that um, a lot of people struggle with at first because you're trying to figure out how to um, do right by yourself, but also um, you want to, you know, you want to be a team player. You want to be seen as somebody who's willing to go above and beyond. So sort of figuring out where to place those boundaries can be uh, a bit of a challenge. Um, I think that it's good if you're starting a very new job to to be the sort of most neutral version of yourself, just so you can, you know, take in all the information that's available to you and then kind of start dialing up the personality once you have a better sense of, you know, what what's going to play well in this new audience. Um, treat everyone, obviously, with respect, but don't be in too much of a hurry to establish friendships because the close. sometimes if you get close to someone in the workforce, it can can create its own complications, which isn't to say that you shouldn't make friends, but you know, if you're all of a sudden part of a clique on day three of a new job, that might be a sign that you're being recruited to something that you're not really want to be a part of. Um, and you know, even if you don't get along with everyone or even have fundamental personality clashes with them, I think it's always important to try to understand where they're coming from um, because it will probably help you get less irritated. And on a purely practical level, you will probably need to get things from people that you work with who you don't necessarily get along wonderfully with. And if you understand their perspective, you'll be better able to communicate those requests in a way that will get the desired result. Very insightful. Absolutely. So uh, the next topic is near and dear to me, the elusive work-life balance. I don't even like to use the balance word anymore because I think it implies this sense of um, equal perfection, you know, that we should attain or, or at least aspire to attain. And I think it's a bit of a roller coaster. There are ups, there are downs. But how, especially, you know, when starting a new role, how do you set those new expectations with the manager? You know, for example, you talk a lot in the book about do you check your phone in the middle of the night, right? Are you at the ready at all hours or do you set boundaries? Um, I think it's always important to set the boundaries that you can responsibly set. You know, there might be jobs or industries or periods of, you know, your kind of work calendar year where you really do have to be on call 24-7 and you shouldn't just shut out work if people are expecting you to be available. But um, one of the things that you probably saw that I hammer home is, you know, 
part of the manager-employee relationship is giving feedback. And your manager is at leisure to say, you know, I need a little bit more from you. I need you to be more responsive. I need you to turn things around quicker, etc. And managers will tell you that if they think you're falling behind. But it is extremely rare for a boss to say, you know, you are so on the ball, you could really dial it back a bit and we would be fine here. You know, that's just not something that, that managers say. Yeah, exactly. So you have to be the one saying that to yourself, especially if you start reaching the point where you feel like you're never fully unplugging during the you know end of the workday. And I know for me, you know, I could be done with work for hours, but if I see a work email, it will just immediately flip my brain back into that mode. And I'm not, you know, enjoying my dinner anymore. or I'm not paying attention to the show I'm supposedly watching or what have you. So I think it's important to, you know, figure out what your own kind of happy places where you feel like you're aware enough of what's going on that you don't worry about falling behind. Um, but give yourself license to not constantly check in, to wait until the next morning and see what happens. You know, if, if you're not if you're not committing enough, that will be made clear to you and you can always adjust accordingly if that happens. But um, you've got to you've got to start with what's comfortable for you. And if that works for everyone, then you're going to have a much happier life as an employee. Absolutely. So I love your talk about procrastination. Just send the damn email already. What are some <laughs> other thoughts? Because I know many listening share the procrastination gene and, and it's it's it can be tricky. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, I'm not, there's a lot of things with giving work advice for, and I'm sure you have this too as a coach, where you're sort of like the physician heal thyself. Like, this is what you should do. And I don't always do it, but I know that I should. Um, with procrastination, I think... Um, it's really useful to just sort of force yourself to begin, especially a big project that you're dreading. You know, even if you have like three lines of a white paper or something that you're supposed to write, that makes it feel a lot less intimidating than starting utterly from scratch. Um, sometimes, you know, there'll be emails that I don't feel like writing and I'll just sit down and start, you know, I'll just say, I'll just start, just, you know, you can save it as a draft. You don't need to actually send it. And as soon as I actually start writing it, I'm like, oh, this is a three line email. I don't know why I've, you know, been waiting, sitting on it for a week. Um, similarly, I think, you know, I'm a really big believer in to-do lists because I think when you see those, everything that you need to do all written out, it helps reinforce that, you know, the fictitious day later this week when you're going to get everything done because you won't want to procrastinate anymore is that you, that's never going to happen or you have more work than can possibly fit in one day. Um, and, and similarly, I like breaking things up, uh, if, they're, if it's a more long-term project, into sort of discrete subtasks, especially because some of those will be less time intensive, but they, on your end, but like, you know, you're going to have to wait for input from someone else or get a room scheduled or something like that. So if you think about all the different components that need to come together, you can get started on the ones that will have a longer lead time and not realize that, you know, all of a sudden you need to do a month's worth of prep work in like a day. So um, those are things that, that, yeah, that work for me. I like it. The manageable steps, right? Baby steps all moving forward. Well done. So here's something interesting, right? Because we're talking about all these new job uh, personas and perception and, and how you want to be seen and heard in the workplace. What about the, the millions of people out there who realize that their career is not working? How do you rip that Band-Aid and take that next step to say, I'm ready for something new? I think that's actually one of the most, I don't know, exciting moments in one's professional life when you're sort of ready to make a change. I mean, it can be scary, but 
Um, it's also very exhilarating. I know that anytime I've had the occasion to go through and update my resume, uh, there's always this sort of like almost magical feeling where you realize, oh, I've done so much more than I did the last time I was getting hired. This document has expanded. Um, so I think even, you know, even if you're not quite ready to to quit your job or start a new position, just just thinking in those terms can be really psychologically helpful to remind yourself of what you've done and maybe start doing a little bit of poking around at job ads, even if you're not ready to submit anything yet, because it reminds you what else is out there. And in some cases, it reminds you that you maybe don't have it as, as bad as you thought once you see workload compared with compensation, compared with duties and some other positions. Um, and then, of course, if you realize, no, I really am ready for that next step, then you've, you've had a chance to sort of survey the scene. You know, you've got your materials ready to go so that if something pops up that really seems like a great next opportunity for you, you're ready to submit to it. Um, and, you know, you're always kind of learning from whatever it is that you've been doing before. So not only do you bring those qualifications to the next role, you also have a sense of, you know, this new thing that you started doing that you like better than anything else or this new thing that has been handed on your plate and you don't want to do that ever again and you need to avoid it. So um, I think... I think it's just a matter of finding the balance between, you know, the type of compensation that you need in order to be financially comfortable and then the purview of tasks that will allow you to live the life that you want. So I really I really enjoy your tagline of, you know, like enjoy your career, love your life. You know, that that's the you know, your life is always going to be there. Jobs will come and go. So it's a matter of finding a career that fits well into the rest of being you. As a fellow career development expert, I'm thrilled with your new book, Courtney. It's called Is This Working? The Business Lady's Guide to Getting What You Want from Your Career. And of course, you can buy it on Amazon and read more career advice and connect with Courtney at her website, dearbusinesslady.com. Courtney, what a joy to have you on the show. I wish you great success with this wonderful new book. I hope our paths cross again very soon. And I thank you for sharing your time on the show. Oh, sure. Thanks so much for having me. I hope our paths cross as well. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. The show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Hey, be sure to subscribe so you get new shows every week and leave a comment about what's important to you in the career world, and I'll consider your idea for a future show. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.